Also, yeah, we're recording. <laughs> oh, hello. Hi. <laughs> I I love that we're getting to the point where our pre-recording conversations are getting longer and longer. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, because it's been like, I mean, it's been almost two hours since we started talking to each other. Correct. Casual. <laughs> regular, it's, normal things. It's good. I wonder, yeah. like... What's the most this could get to? We talk to each other all day, and then at the end... Oh, my God. You know? That would be really... You know what we should do is um, you should move back here, and then we can hang out together, and then we can record together in person. Mm. And then we wouldn't even have to have these, like, what was your week like? Like, nah, bitch, you were there. We went to brunch. We went to brunch. You Except don't that, like, this. You blacked out. But, like, it's 2020, so, like, brunch isn't a thing. Hanging out together is not a thing. It's almost not 2020, though, is the thing. So, in this hypothetical reality where I'm not moving back in the next 30 days, mm-hmm. um, in this in this alternate reality, that could happen. What is Trevor listening to? I can hear his music. Uh, sounds like bluegrass something. Bluegrass. <laughs> okay. Very simple, heavy. Our episode might have an undercurrent of bluegrass to it today. Do you want to have him turn it down? Do I don't care. I don't give a shit. Okay. I figure at this point, everyone knows that we're recording in our homes, that we're also quarantined in, that we've been in for eight months. Yeah. So there's like, no if tape. there's some, if there's some random noises, if we're hearing people's fucking music, I'm, I don't, I'm into it. I don't it's, care. Yeah, I don't either. As long as we can hear us. Yeah. It's not yeah. like we're in some studio. No, we're fucking in our homes that yeah, we're I, that we that we're stuck in. So my like, no. soundproofing studio is literally a down comforter cave, and it is so warm in there. I, I could it. not do an entire episode of this in there. I like, I like the it. I think it's charming. People. Yeah. I like the pets coming in. I like you know what. So if you don't like it, dear listeners, here let me get my my recording voice. Your Phoebe Judge <clears> voice. Dear listeners, if you don't like extra voices or sounds or pets or noises or weather or traffic or fill in the blank, audible experiences here, please leave. Just stop. Pick a different podcast. There are many to choose from. We could give you recommendations, but we won't. Because you clearly don't like the kinds of podcasts that we like. So please, cordially. Cordially. Uh, and also, welcome to Babe Town. <laughs> you son of a Zing. bitch. Zigzag. <laughs> I, um, well, I, I was never in any danger of stealing it this week because I literally forgot that we hadn't said it already. So I am, I am prepared and I am on top of this podcast today oof 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 i am ready i feel like we should disclaimer right now this oh yeah the we're re-recording this episode because it was lost to time and the interwebs and bedbugs and bedbugs so we are re-recording an episode that we've already done but it was literally months ago yeah and so we've done this research but not for a very very long time so and all of it is a scooch fresh and yeah. 
And most of the time we do the research like right before, like the days leading up to it, the day of whatever. So it's fresh in our minds and we're good to go. And this one is more of a, we're learning it all together. Listen, I don't think anyone is arguing that we are the most produced podcast, that we're the best researched podcast, that we're the best anything podcast, but damn it, do we have fun. (laughs) Wait, did I sound... Did I sound enough like a like 53-year-old mom? No, that's exactly what you sounded like. I was going to say, oh, it is perfect. Also, Great. may I tell you the sweetest anecdote? Back in the before time, when I was at a bar, I was at Trevor's Brewery, and I was in the tap room, and I was researching, I believe, because that's one of my favorite places to research babes. Um, so I was researching this babe, and I audibly made some sort of like, get the fuck out of here, something like that, right? When you come across like this details. Yeah. And this woman, a few seats down, she was by herself and she was like, I'm sorry, I have to know. You seem so interested in what you're reading. What is it? And so I was like, oh, I have this podcast. So I was telling her the whole thing. And she was like, oh, my God, that sounds incredible. What is it? And so I gave her the information. She was going to look it up. And then I was like, just so you know, (laughs) we've never done this before. We also have no idea what we're doing. So especially the first few episodes, we don't have mics. We don't like we didn't do the professional like test run all the everything no. we just we just dove in yeah and she was like can I stop you right there and I was like okay and she was <laughs> like I mean this in the sweetest way possible but she was like you don't ever need to downplay your work you don't ever need to immediately start giving me reasons not to like whatever you love because I can tell that you're passionate about it and I can tell that I'm gonna love it. So don't ever start to, you know, whatever. And I was like, oh, my God. Thank you, inspirational woman at this bar. <laughs> That's so nice. I hope that she listens to us. You too. Whoever you are, wherever you are. I forgot your name. I'm so sorry. I do that. You sound like a nice lady. <laughs> You're so nice. And it really, it had an effect on me. And I think about it a lot. And thank you. I don't oh. downplay our podcast anymore. Well, I'll cut out all of that downplaying that I just did on our literal podcast. No, <laughs> no I think it's good. I did the same thing because I get self-conscious about like, yeah, I don't know, us not being scripted or. I just listen to like fucking Criminal and like Phoebe Judge and like all of these like so be- the, like these beautiful podcasts. I'm just like, oh, man, <laughs> like we talk about my cat having the fucking clap like, oh, geez. But that, but, but also like it's a great time, and I love it, and I love listening to it. So I do too. It always <laughs> makes me so happy, and I think that that's you know it's our thing. It's not we're not trying to do that's true any other thing. It's ours, and I love it, and it's great. And ew, you're making me feel nice. <laughs> God, <laughs> so like and share and so, subscribe anyway. and stuff. Um, well. Unsurprisingly, are you drinking wine? I sure am. And it's from a box. Wow. Are um, you drinking a cloud? I sure am. And it's from my fridge. Mm. It's a great year. The, the, the claw, not the year. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say the claw, not the fridge. Just, uh, I mean, that too, but. Shall we podcast? Do you want to do this? <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Uh, if I remember correctly, you're going first. Um, I'm not going to tell you if I've heard of this lady or not, because that seems disingenuous. 
Yeah, I mean, we already told everybody. Because I've literally heard, I've, well, I listened to a podcast about this lady I'll one time. We've literally um, already told everybody that it's a redo. Oh, right. Also that. What if we were still like, no, this is the first time, but only now, like after right. we've like acknowledged. Anyway. So I will be retelling you the story because we've both forgotten. Yes, please. Yes, please. Of Polycarpa Salavarieta. Mm. Buckle up, folks. <sighs> this is one of my favorite stories of all time. It's so fucking good. So good. Okay. <clears throat> so Polycarpa was probably born in 1795, question mark. Um, we definitely know that it was between 1791 and 1796, but like historians are like, it's probably, it's probably 1795. Uh, most likely in Guadas, Colombia. She was one of nine children of Jose Joaquin and Mariana Rios Salavarieta. Just beautiful. Nine. Nine, it's a bunch. That's so many. I think so, I asked this exact question last time, but was she in like the middle? She's towards the end. She's one of the younger. Okay. This is all. This is, I think <laughs> steep okay. back in, <laughs> percolating back into my brain. <laughs> yeah. Um. So they're a well-off family, pretty well known in Guadas. Um. But then her dad's like, okay, I'm gonna move us to the capital. They moved to Bogota in the early 1800s. Her dad bought this house. They're going to live there. Like, they're, like, moving up in the world, you know? Yeah. I'm all excited. So once they move, quote, unquote, up in the world, they're making less money. The house is smaller. Like, you have to take those cuts, you know, to move, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's not quite as great as they think. And then their luck starts to keep going south. Um, and in 1802, smallpox tore through Bogota and killed both of her parents and two of her siblings. Jeez. Yeah. That's. Yeah. I That's the kind of thing that, like, when we talk about that on this podcast, I, whenever we have a lady who's like, oh yeah, this one event wiped out, like, a good chunk of their family. I'm like, that would cripple me let alone yeah. <laughs> like make somebody and that's Ugh. just one family imagine what it did to like the rest of the city yeah um okay so after that horrific incident all of her remaining siblings basically split up and her oldest sister katarina took polycarpa and their younger brother to live w- with her they were all going to go back to guadas and live with their godmother but then Katarina got married, and so they move in with her husband. She keep, takes the younger siblings with her. So now they all live with Katarina and her husband. But they're back in Guadas. So quick context, side note. Let's talk about the Colombian Revolution and Spanish colonization, shall we? Yes, please. Let's. So Sounds like a great chill time. So chill. Anytime colonization is involved. It's always going to be really casual. Just a real. Yeah. So Spanish America, we're going to specifically be talking about Colombia, had been set up in like little democratic colonies that were either declaring independence from Spain or operating under representative based governments. This sounds somewhat familiar, no? Mm Mm-hmm. So after, after the defeat of Napoleon in 1814, King Ferdinand VII 
gets back into power in Spain. And he's like, oh, yeah, no, all of those congresses and constitutions and everything, like, I didn't give approval for any of that. So I still own all of you and you can suck it. Little bitch. Right. So the Spanish-American colonies were like, actually, you can fuck yourself and welcome to the rebellion. Bitch. Great. Right? Yes. So this begins the Spanish-American Wars for Independence. And it's royalists versus rebels. God, I'm remembering the story. Buckle up. Buckle up. Uh, so by 1815, the year after the war, the defeat of Napoleon, the basic outlines of like who were royalists, who were rebels, like where pro-independence forces are. Like the lines are pretty much drawn and everybody's basically at a stalemate. Like no one's gaining ground. But the fight for independence against colonization had been going on for like super bunch of years. Polycarpus godmother, super bunch. A super bunch of years. Super bunch of years. So Polycarpus godmother, who they lived with in Guadas for a time, she came from a family that had long been rebel fighters since 1781. So before she was even born, like her family is into it. Her godmother's husband died in a battle that her brother was wounded and taken captive during, like all of this thing. I love that, like, a lot of families have, like, we're all carpenters. And this family is like, we're all fucking rebels. Rebels, dude. I love that. And the town of Guadas was a economic way station between the Magdalena River and Bogota. So, like, all the news goes through there and all of the whatever. So she grows up with this very strong anti-colonization mentality in this very important small town. Yeah. So she's got very like defined political influences. Yeah. And it's great. Um, so, but she never like wanted to be involved in politics. She wanted an education, which she was a woman at the time. So like outrageous. Rough. Yeah. How dare you? Um, but she was allowed to become literate, which was great. And she later taught at a public school, which is awesome. But her main talent was she was a crazy good seamstress. Right? It starts to right. come back. It starts to right. come back. So, <laughs> so Polycarpa and her brother start being noticed in Guadas for their rebellious sentimentality. They have to flee to the capital in 1817. But Bogota was technically run by royalists, so they had to forge all these documents and smuggle themselves in. And they were like, yeah, no, we're servants, and we're coming to serve in this great house. That's, you know, blah, 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 blah. But the house that they were serving in was actually the base of the revolution. And two revolution leaders lived there. One was named Ambrosio Almeida and one was Jose Rodriguez. So they're like in it and they're Hmm. going. So when she moves, she starts going by La Pola. And that's basically what she's known as forever and to this day. So that's what we're going to call her. So La Pola starts seeing a man named Alejo Sabarain. And they get, like, more and more involved in the rebel movement and more and more involved in each other. Hard eyes, yeah? Hard eyes. Strong hard eyes. Great. Um, So she gets herself a job as the official seamstress for the Spanish royals. Wow. Ooh, girl. So she's sewing away, and she's dropping hella eaves (laughs) on everything going on around her. 
And then she's passing the information to her rebel lover, who is passing on the information to the leaders of the rebellion. What a team. What a team. And it's working like clockwork, dude. So they're making lists of confirmed royalists. They're getting maps. They're getting intelligence on, like, royalists' plans and all their activities. They're finding out who is suspected of being revolutionaries so they can be like, hey, lay low for a little bit. Um, And then she and her brother are convincing royalist soldiers to abandon their cause, join the rebels, and bring their weapons and ammo. Excellent. What? Excellent. So So they're crushing the game. Um, But then Almeida gets arrested. Um, And he's carrying information that implicates her, but it's not hard evidence yet. So she's still moving around. So she's suspected and she's treading carefully, but like nothing's happened yet. Yeah. But then her lover Alejo gets caught. And he happens to be carrying a list that she made. So they officially have enough evidence to arrest her. This seems this seems like if you're gonna be if you're gonna be a super secret spy, maybe maybe don't just carry stuff around. But it might have been, like, what if it was, like, she just gave it to him and he's taking it home? You know what I mean? Oh, I guess that's true, because that was, like, their entire thing. Right. Okay. So, like, who knows? Okay, I believe you. Um, I mean, I don't know if that's the case. He no, may I have believe just, you. may have just been dangling it around. He was like, I've got incriminating evidence. Look at this reason. <laughs> just dancing around being like, look at it's my girlfriend's name. Talk about her being a spy. <laughs> she writes her name at the top of her lists. Like, like she's school. turning in an essay? Yeah, she's yeah. at the, her name, the date. <laughs> You know, yeah. the class. Anyway. Um, <laughs> sorry. Anyway. So La Pola was arrested on November 10th and is sentenced to execution by firing squad for high treason. Her execution is scheduled for the morning of November 14th. And the entire night before, she stays up all night long cursing the Spaniards. Like like out loud? Yes. So at one Just point, like yelling at them? Yes. So at one point she stops because she's thirsty. A guard offers her water and she threw it back at him, refusing to accept help of any kind from her enemies. I love her. So as they, like they're marching her to her execution. She has two priests on either side. They're like saying her final rites, saying these prayers. I don't know what they are, but they're chanting prayers. And the tradition was you were supposed to say them back, like repeat them back. And instead she just continues to curse the Spaniards and predict their defeat in the coming revolution. She's like, fuck you all. You're all going to die. We're going to win. The people are going to rule. Like, this is all. Yeah. So if in this time, in this place, if you were being executed for treason, you had to turn your back to the firing squad because you weren't allowed to, like, face your, you know, it's another another point of, like, shaming you. Okay. So all the while she's being lined up with all these men. She's speaking courage to her fellow rebels. She's berating the Spaniards. She then shouts to the crowd, quote, although I am a woman and young, I have more than enough courage to suffer this death and a thousand more. Mm. Then she drops the back of her gown to show her bare back to the firing squad as just like an extra middle finger. And then right as they started firing, she turned around and faced them dying. Like, oh, also she was 22. That's, I was just about to say, wait, how old was she? She yeah. was 22. Wow. And wow. she, like, turned around and stared them down as they shot her. Crazy. I cannot even imagine. Wow. 
so now, November 14th is a national holiday in Colombia. It's the day of the Colombian woman in honor of their hero, La Pola. Mm. Uh, her image became the first Latina commemorated on a postage stamp in one of Colombia's, they did like a 1910 independence centennial thing. Yeah. Uh, but since then, she's been on a bunch of different currency. And that is the story of Polycarpa Salaverieta. Wow. Right? Wow. Ugh. I mean, just fuck you, colonization. Seriously. Seriously. Wow. And to be fair, some of this has become legend. And so some of it, like, some counts differ Yeah. from other ones. Who knows? But that's this is the most, um, like, common information that I found. I love and, it. Uh, me too. Me too. Um, my sourcing my shit is really quick because most of the um, articles were in Spanish. And I could only read the ones that were in English. Um, so Wikipedia, Encyclopedia, and then there was an incredible article on BeLatina.com by Giselle Gomez that was just chef's kiss. That's excellent. So good. So, so good. Wow. Right? Good work. Thanks, man. It was really fun when I did this research <laughs> months ago. I had a great time. Yeah, I bet. You know? I do know. Um, all right. Well, sit back, eat your mat, um, and let me retell you the story of Libby Riddles. Libby Riddles. Do you remember this? It's going to come back to me. Yeah. It's going to come back to you literally with this first sentence. Um, okay. So Libby Riddles. Let's first chat a scooch about the Iditarod. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, okay, so the Iditarod um, common myth is that it started to celebrate the serum run, which is like Balto and like all that shit. Uh, but according to the Iditarod website, it was actually meant to be uh, both a trail to both a way to get the Iditarod trail recognized as a national historic trail. Because uh, it was the trail that led from Seward to Nome and originally it was used to bring gold out. And it was also meant to honor the tradition of dog teams being used in Alaska because they've been used in Alaska for travel, for, you know, transportation all the forever. And also, I just have to, because every time it was Togo, like everybody is always Togo. Yeah. Like, if you think that Balto is the hero of the story, you're wrong and stop it. Yep. So actually, fun fact, we're going to talk about it. We jumped the gun, Reagan. It's like you've heard this before. Jeez. Oh my god, it might be odd. Uh, so in, in 1967, uh, it originally was called the Centennial Race. It was held over two days, so it was way shorter than the Iditarod. Um, and it was set to honor a man named Leonard Seppala. He died shortly before the race was held. His, scattered, his ashes were scattered actually along the trail. He was one of the original men who went to Nome in 1925 as part of the with the diphtheria serum, and he's the one that had Togo. Right. So uh, it was set to honor Togo's dude. Um, ultimately, 1978, Joe Reddington, who is like Iditarod royalty at this point, uh, he was able to get the Iditarod Trail to receive National Historic 
trail status. So Joe Reddington is kind of the one who like made the Iditarod race what it is because it was his idea to do all also, of it. So 78. Yeah, it's way very recent. recent. Yeah, it's way later than I thought it was. It's very recent. Um, and so now every February, usually it starts February-ish and then ends late February, early March, depending on. Um, happens every year. Uh, it's over a thousand miles. It's run every year, usually from Willow to Nome. The start moves around depending on snow, but you know. Um, so enter our babe, Libby Riddles. She was born April 1st, 1956 in Madison, Wisconsin. Both of her parents were teachers. She moved to Alaska when she was 16. And that's all that I know about her early life. Um, hooray. Hooray. Uh, in 1978, so the first year that the Iditarod was going, she won first place at her first race. It wasn't the Iditarod, but her, whatever yeah. first yeah. race she ran. Uh, it was the Klein's Mini Mart Sprint, and she got first place in it. Amazing. Um so in 1980, two years into the Iditarod, she decided that she was going to try and do it. Uh, she got 18th, which like for the Iditarod is actually bad. pretty good for a yeah. first timer. That's pretty good. Um, and then the next year she did it, she got 20th. So like, I mean, still, it's, not it's bad. really not bad. There's so many yeah. outside factors. So many yeah. outside factors. Yeah. Um, so up until then, she had been using like a loner team i guess which makes it even more impressive that she got 18th because like that's the other thing is that like a disclaimer should have happened earlier don't listen to PETA about the iditarod the these dogs are so well taken care of and so stoked to run this race every year like like seeing the dogs they're so excited the mushers take better care of their dogs usually than they do of themselves like yeah. The, did I, I think I told you last time we did this, but my <laughs> mom got to be one of the like oh, teams that one of the people flew into a random <sighs> town village, wherever they needed her. And she like helped take care of them. So cool. I would love to do that. I mean, year. dream. Yeah. I would love to do that. Um, so after she raced the editorod, she realizes that she needs to be breeding and training her own dogs because that's, that's you talk about those outside factors. That's definitely one of them is that like the mushers have to be able to read all of their dogs so closely to figure out what is actually going on with them and like when they need to rest and when they can just need to be shuffled around. Cause that's the thing. There's like, I don't know how many dogs it's like nine dogs or something. I think at the very least, I think it's more like 14. Oh, okay. Yeah. There's a minimum number that you can have and then a maximum number, but it's anywhere. It's like a range, but I mean, it's wild. There's, there's, I'm so constantly impressed by the Iditarod because there are so, so cool. many things that they have to take into account. It's, and you don't really win that much. Like no. you win a truck and then you win like $50,000, I think, which but, is a lot. Yeah. That's a but fucking, that's a lot, but. The it, amount of training. <laughs> yeah. Everything. And the work that you have to put into it. And it's a year. I mean, it's the full year. That's what you're doing. Like. Also, the money that goes into breeding dogs, caring for right. Right. 20, 30 dogs. Yeah, $50,000 I mean, probably barely scratches the surface of no, what yeah. it costs yeah. to do. Um, so anyway, so she decides she needs to be breeding and training her own dogs. She moves to Shaktulik, 
and works as a fish seller. And then eventually she moves to Teller, Alaska. <laughs> she was like really into like middle of nowhere places, which I love. I'm very into. So this is where she meets Joe Garney. They become race partners. Uh, 1985 rolls around and she's like ready to try the Iditarod again. Right. But then the winter of 1985 is an absolute shit show. So like the pl- the race had to be stopped twice because planes couldn't reach the checkpoints to deliver dog food. Oof. Which I've tried to think of. I can't think of a single Iditarod that had to be just stopped. Not that I know of, but I've only been aware of it and like following it the last 10 years. Yeah, that's true, I guess. But like, I mean, I don't even really know how that works. How you stop the Iditarod. Because <laughs> like, like, how do you get word to middle. everybody? Right. right. So anyway, but that's the level that we're talking. So she had a rough start in the first hour. Her team took a wrong turn, which then threw the sled into a discarded washing machine because they were in the valley. (laughs) Like, why not? Why wouldn't you run into a washing machine out on the trail? Um, She lands on the ground, but she's still connected to the sled and her dogs are running. So she just gets dragged face down until she can get them to start stop. And that's the first hour of her like multi-day race and like well over a week multi-day like Mm -hmm. close to two weeks multi-day um so towards the end of the race all of the leading mushers had to stop in a village checkpoint there's like we talked about this last time and i meant to look it up because i didn't know then and i turns out still don't know now but, but there's a certain number of checkpoints that they have to stop at for a certain number of time, a certain amount of time. So like, like the longer into the race, they have to do a mandatory 24 hour But they stop. can choose where they take that time. Right, right. But they have to take it within a certain, like they can only go a certain amount of time. There's right. built in things to make sure that the mushers aren't just wearing themselves and their dogs out because- There's a lot of rules, you guys. There's so rules. many rules, you guys. So anyway, they're, they're towards the end of the race. So it's one of their like mandatory checkpoints. Um, so she finishes her checkpoint and she sets back out on the trail from Shaktulik and she was the only one because the weather was so shitty. She was the only one. So she takes the lead, but then she immediately goes into a storm. <laughs> so the storm gets really bad. She had to zip herself into her sled bag and spend the night hunkered down in the middle of nowhere because she had left her checkpoint and the storm got too bad. So when she woke up, she found out that her bag zipper had frozen shut. And so she was stuck in her sled. So she had to like oh. work to like get it undone. <laughs> Just a mess. So as she's going, she realizes that she is still in the lead, which is great news. But now she's coming across tracks, which is terrible news, because that means that because she's her own tracks. So she went in a big circle. Um, so she was able to fix it, though. She keeps her lead, which means that she had one hell of a lead, which yeah. is amazing. So at the Eagle Island checkpoint, she knocks on the checker's door and he opens it and is like shocked that the first knock had come from a lady. Fucking that's hell right. That's hell right. That's hell right. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, Libby, typically she only sleeps an hour at each checkpoint. She lets her dogs chill, but like she just can't. So she just is like awake all the time. So finally, 18 days 20 minutes, seven seconds after starting the Iditarod, Libby Riddles becomes the first woman to win it, oh 1985. God. In addition to this, so anybody who's, like, worried that she won it because 
Her dogs were super wiped out. <clears throat> she won the Leonard Seppala Humanitarian Award for the stellar condition she kept her dogs in. Amazing. Which I think is so great that they have an award for that. In addition it to is. winning Iditarod, if you can also keep your dogs, like, doing happy, healthy. Yeah. Where they're enjoying it, too, then, like, bonus points. Yeah. Um, bonus points is the wrong. It, that should be the goal. Anyway, you know what I mean. Yes. Uh, so her entire outlook, if not the outlook of most, if not all, mushers, is, quote, a healthy dog wins the race quicker than an unhealthy one. Which, like, yeah, of Seriously. course. Like, the, every musher is just like, yeah, this is, that's the point of the thing, is to, like, keep your dogs in good condition and then you win. Like, that's... Also, you're training these dogs to not just do it once. Right. Like, yeah. If that, that's the thing, yeah. is that all of the people who are rushing, who are, who are racing the Iditarod are also racing every other race in training for it. Right. Like, people always run the Yukon race and people do the one in Canada and there's like, there's multiple races that people always do as lead up to the Iditarod. So you have to like, yeah, I get so defensive of like the Iditarod because like usually people who are talking shit about the treatment of the dogs have never met a musher, met a sled dog or seen the Iditarod. Right. Like, so yeah. anyway, yeah. Um, so 1985, she also wins the Women's Sports Foundation designation as Sportswoman of the Year. Um, this is this is the one thing that I do very clearly remember from when we rehearsed or we rehearsed. When we rehearsed. <laughs> when we legit recorded this the first time. <clears throat> uh, she her win inspired T-shirts. Do you remember this? That said Alaska, where men are men and women win the Iditarod. I- do remember this oh my sweet god i would love i would love to be in value village and find one of those shirts you will someday someday Someday. it'll happen if anybody has on diamond and you'll be flipping through oh if anybody has a libby riddles shirt that they want to give to me or even sell to me please hit me up because i want it badly i will sew it onto my body like like they fucking did with 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 go back uh no wait with uh what's your butt in no no not so into my body so onto my body like clothing like uh wait no wait shit that movie where john travolta is all like oh olivia newton john sewn into those leather pants grease is oh oh i see what you mean she was literally sewn into those pants do you know know i still hate that movie Okay. Anyway, we're not we're not doing a feminist this dissection of Greece. We can't possibly. I can't possibly. I'm too busy. <laughs> we're like, Let me rant about Greece. Sucks. <laughs> um. So doop 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 doop. So one of her sleds is now used at the national. Probably not used. It's just on display at the National Museum of American History at the Smithsonian. They're just like that's how they give tours at the museum. They're just rolling her sled around. (laughs) Uh, So the curator, whose name is Jane Rogers, she thinks that the sled is amazing. She's like stoked to have it, but she recognizes that the dogs are really the the thing that people should be celebrating about the Iditarod. She said, "Quote: This is their job, and they." love to do this i've been up there and witnessed that they just it's like they can't be contained as soon as they get hooked up to those harnesses they want to run yeah I wish, so when we publish this episode i'm going to show a couple of photos that my mom's taken at the start 
Yes, please. Because those dogs look so stoked. So stoked. And like, yeah. Like, I think it should, yes. Accidents happen. Yes. Dogs have been hurt. Dogs have yes. accidentally died. Like, it is yes. not a perfect thing, but it is not like they're torturing dogs. Yes. And, and people think of, I think and, people think of, of the Iditarod like they think of horse racing, which is right. a very inhumane sport. Or greyhound like, racing. Or greyhound racing. Awful. Inhumane as shit. Like that is not as that is not, not yeah. what we are talking about at all. Like you can and you can I mean, all the mushers are super open about it. Like you can come up here and literally yeah. tour their kennels. Yeah, like you can great. see how it's they raise and train fun. their dogs and like it's so good. It's um really and the dogs are so excited to see people. It's really fun. Everybody go do it. It's excellent. 10 out of 10. Um, so one last little thing about her historic win. Libby said, quote, I got into every kind of disaster out there with the dogs and it was just great. <laughs> She's had such a great time being like, yeah, everything That's sucks. My sled. <laughs> I love it. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And that's mm. the amazing story of Libby Riddles. Uh, in in all honesty, Susan Butcher is probably going to be my one next. I've got Fair. I've got one hell of a story for next week. Do you? Is it the one that you started doing the research for this week? Yep. Okay. Yeah. I was reading all about this one lady, and then there was one article that was like, oh, also her sister, and I was like, <laughs> I'm sorry, what? <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, well, I can't do one of them. Like this is a pair. Yeah. It's a pair. So buckle up for next week, folks. Yeah. Oh, let me source my shit real quick. Um, The Smithsonian Magazine, Facing Blizzards and Accidents, Iditarod's first woman champion, Libby Riddles, persisted. A really synopsis-style headline, which I dig. It's written by Alice George. Alaska Sports Hall of Fame, Iditarod.edu, educational, and Wikipedia, as per usual. Amazing. Yeah. Wow. Good job, dude. Thanks. What a fun revisit to our rehearsal episode. A really lovely revisit. I mean, essentially, I guess that's what it was. It was a rehearsal because we said all the same shit. Probably. Probably. Don't remember it. Who knows? That's fine. I remember some of it. It's not like I... I remember most of yours. I remembered very little of My Lady. I remember... Which is funny. Once you said it, I remembered it. Yeah. Yeah. Um... I remember interjecting at the same spots that I interjected at. That's more <laughs> accurate. That's, yeah. 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 I remember being like, oh, right. That's what that made me think of last time. Man. Such cool babes. Such cool babes. Women are so cool. Dude, the dank. The dankest. Dank. The dank. That's ladies. They're all just the collective dank. They're the collective dank. That's us ladies. Man, maybe that's the name of this episode. The Collective Dank. There's also, I've been, I I don't know if I've, I've probably told you this before. I keep a running list of, mm-hmm. I usually do it when we, when I listen back to it though. And I'm just like playing video games. And like, <laughs> 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 that's how I edit this podcast. I put it on and then I play like mindless video games where I can just listen to it. Like, <laughs> we're so funny. We're so funny. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to have. Quite a bit to edit at the beginning of this one. Uh, oh, buddy. Yeah, this one's going to be probably less like actual video games and more like Angry Birds, you know, where it's cut just... Cut that, cut that, cut that. Yeah. Fair. I'm not mad about it, though. Yeah, it'll be good. It'll be good. Mm-hmm.
Good job. Who's your Who's your baby of the week? Right. Uh, my baby of the week this week is Ms. Cheryl Strayed, the author. Mrs. Cheryl mm. Strayed, the author. Uh, I have been a fan of hers for a couple of years. I was listening to her podcast, um, Dear Sugars, for a long time. It is no longer happening, but you can obviously listen to old episodes. Um, and it's kind of, oh, I forgot what they're called, but like when you would write in back in the day to like a magazine or newspaper and be like, dear, like Abby, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's, it's really difficult situations. Like every single episode is a really heavy, complicated situation. And she and her co-host would just gently and delicately pick them apart with so much grace and so much like it's it's so good I still go back and re-listen to a lot of the episodes because it reminds me constantly that like a there's never nothing is ever black and white there are so many shades in between there's always a middle ground nothing has to be is it this or this like there's always something in between um but it's just, it's so fascinating to hear about the really complex um, layers of humanity and like mm-hmm. how it's really fascinating. Um, excuse me. <laughs> uh, but I just finished reading her book Wild and it's been out for forever. And there's a movie about it with Reese Witherspoon that I haven't watched yet, but it's just like, it made me want to go hike the Pacific Crest Trail and Mm. like find myself and through the misery of you know like she describes it in such brutal honest detail she's like it was awful and I lost so many toenails and like everything and the whole time I'm just like man I want to do it (laughs) yeah so so good but I just like I love her as a writer I love her as a speaker I love the way her brain works I've been really really digging her lately so yeah, Cheryl Strait is absolutely my babe of the week. That's a really good one. Who's yours? Who's your non-Stacey Abrams babe of the week? My non-Stacey <laughs> Abrams babe of the week. Um, I think I think it has to be my grandma because she was telling me the other day about how they they're their Walmart, I called her for Thanksgiving and their Walmart has, I don't know if this is just New Mexico regulations or if it's Walmart or whatever, but they have a rule where if they have four employees at any business that have COVID or test positive for COVID, they have to shut the whole thing down for two weeks. So everyone can quarantine. Mm -hmm. Um, And Walmart had that happen. And so then they had to shut down, but then they had all this perishable food and they were like, well, we can't, sell it because we can't be open and so they called one of the charities in town who knows my grandparents and know my grandparents run a church and they were like hey can you help so my grandparents spent three days ferrying literal truckloads of food from walmart to their house and then having this charity call people to come pick up food and so like my grandma was telling me that like this mom and her like 10 year old boy came and like the little kid was so excited because they had cupcakes oh. and that they were going to have they were that it was more food than he had ever seen. And they were going to have meat on Thanksgiving for the first time. 
Wow. And like the whole time that she's talking to me, she's like, I know, like it was a bunch of people we didn't know and they were coming into our home, but like we all wore masks and we were, and I was like, I don't, like I'm not going to give you shit about this. Right. It's not like you're throwing a party. Right. You're, you're doing what a church should be doing. A hundred percent. That's what churches should be doing right now. Like, that's really cool. Like the fact that, and she was, cause she was telling me, she, I was like, how was your last weekend? And she was like, well, you know, we were going to have like a day where their cousin is like a massage therapist. And she was like, so we were going to do like an at home spa day and like all relax. Cause we all finally had the day off work. And then, you know, we got this call and she was like, yeah, so we just spent the whole week like doing this. Wow. She was like, yeah. So like, you know, we just barely started getting ready for our own Thanksgiving. And I was like, what a way to kick. That's how people should be kicking off. That's Thanksgiving. That's Seriously. the way to do it. Like that's especially because Thanksgiving is such a complicated and difficult quote unquote holiday as it is. Yeah. Like yeah. any way that we can give back yeah. to anyone who needs it. Right. Wonderful way to spend the holiday. Yeah. And she was like, yeah, well, oh, and, and the reason that, uh, by the time this mom and kid got there, they had run out of meat because the meat was like the first thing to go, of course. And, um, my grandma was like, yeah, you know, so we had gotten a brisket for us and one for the church. But, you know, I figured that, like, we have brisket all the time. And so she, like, gave them her brisket so that Amazing. this little kid could have. Yeah. So um, I think that that has to be my yeah no, my babe good. of the week moment. Because I was that's like, amazing. I can't. This is. Yeah, that's that's how people should be during the holidays, you know, and like not yeah. nearly enough people are. And like it my grandparents are like that kind of to a fault sometimes where they'll just invite anybody into their house. They'll invite anybody into their house. And I'm like, you guys like that's, that's a scooch unsafe sometimes. Mm -hmm. Like you guys kind of take it to the extreme, but then there's things like this that make me be like, Oh, well, if you weren't those kind of people, then that that wouldn't have happened. Like that's, I love though that like the charity in town who's should be the one that's, disseminating it is like oh well hey they'll do it you know yeah. not even a second thought of just like oh yeah they can do it and they were right which is great man that's so cool yeah every single part of that from walmart to everybody like it's, it's so good. really 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 great to see corporations especially huge billionaire ridiculously wealthy ones like waltons like the waltons on walmart you know what i mean yeah um be like, hey, we can't make money out of this. Yeah. But and instead who knows, of throwing I, it away or whatever, yeah. we're going to. And for all I know, that's just, you know, the GM of that Walmart that Great. And thought I'm to do that. Cool. And like yeah. into it. So into it. That's what you should. That's yeah. That's what yeah. you should do. Because how disgusting would that have been to have all of that food? I mean, my grandpa said that they probably he said that they he guessed and he was like, I would guess that we probably got rid of 1500 pounds of food in four days it's amazing yeah so i think that that i think that moment in particular solidified my grandma as as my babe of the week because oh yeah hell yeah how could she not be how could she not be yeah my babe yeah love 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 yep well another one another one down only three and a half hours and another one (laughs) Yeah, honestly. It's about time for me to eat some dinner and yeah. destroy my husband at Mario Party. You do it. I'm going to finish this mac and cheese and pour myself another glass of wine and see what the night takes me. Live your Just best it. life. <laughs>
My bedtime is in 49 minutes. I'm just kidding. Yeah, I feel that deep in my soul. <laughs> I was literally in bed last night, like so tired that I barely remember. I had to like go out to the car to get my phone charger and I barely remember doing it. Um, and that was at like 8.15. <laughs> I was so, so yeah, I feel that. I get it. Um, yeah. this was excellent. It was very excellent. I it love was exactly this. what my brain needed, dude. Despite my brain telling me like, it's gonna be work. Fuck off, brain. It's not work. Your brain's lying to you. It's lying to me. Um, yeah. I love you. I love you and this and us and everyone listening so and it's all. Oh my god, you guys also so tell your friends about this podcast if you want. Oh, that to. sure, yeah. And also like leave us a little review. That helps a lot. Oh my or god, like share it. Does. It helps apparently, like a lot, apparently. Apparently these things help a ton, which is crazy. So if, you, if you feel like helping us, then tell somebody that you like about it. Yeah. I mean you can tell somebody that you don't like about it too, I guess. Yeah. Or leave Either a review. Way. Yeah. Or subscribe, you know, do the do the, do the, the stuff. stuff. Do the stuff. And we That'd really appreciate it and we love you and it's all good. Yeah. I love you. I love you. Good night. You Destroy too. your husband and Mario party. I will. Tell Trevor I said hi. I will. Same, Evan, you know. Yeah. I will. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>